Well, you can uh, grab a seat. Yeah, the band was awesome. You can grab a seat and uh, sit back and relax. Yeah, I'm going to borrow yours. Thanks, Joy. Hey, well, as, uh, as Riley and, uh, and Jimmy said, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond Church, and we're so excited that you're joining us uh, in what we believe is a really important series at this time of the year. We're actually in um, part three of a series called Out of Control. And the reason why we believe that this is such an important series to do, particularly at this time of the year, is because uni exams are well and truly upon us. And this is that point in the semester where you kind of think to yourself, oh yeah, that's right, I got the syllabus 12 weeks ago. I knew there was that big assignment that I had to do next week. Okay, I should probably get around to it, but first I should procrastinate for a little bit first. So you'll come to that next week and you'll get like still be a little bit out of control. School is coming to a close and block exams aren't quite here yet but they're definitely on the horizon. If you're in year 12, this is definitely that time where exams are full-fledged, everything's going hard, you're looking at graduating, can you get everything done so you can um, kind of take that next step in your life. Uh, for those people who work, it always seems that like the last quarter of the year is that time where everyone wants everything done right before Christmas and so your calendar is out of control, you've got calls going off, you've got emails that you just don't have the time to get back to and life can just seem out of control. And so we've uh, had this discussion and, and really our agenda, uh, just to let you, let you in on uh, what we hope for you with this series, and our agenda is simply this, we want to help you take back control of your life. That's why we've been doing this series. And in part one, uh, one of our communicators, Riley, kicked this series off. Actually, Riley will be back next week to wrap the series up. But in part one, Riley looked at this big idea, that to gain control of your life, you must learn to prioritize what is truly important. Because in those times when life seems out of control, often what happens is we don't prioritize the things that are most important and the things that give us energy. And instead, we prioritize the things that drain our energy. Then in last week, uh, we looked at this idea of time. And, uh, and I said that, you're, I was up here and I said, your calendar doesn't just tell you what you're doing. It doesn't just let you know what you're doing in the seven hours a day or 168 hours a week, it, but it actually lets you know who you're becoming. And I don't have a, a whole lot of time to go into parts one or two and what we covered, but I'll, I'll point you in the direction if you want to catch up. Uh, you can go to our SoundCloud or our iTunes, uh, Beyond Church AU, and you can search that. You can listen to these uh, first parts. You can listen to every single message we've ever done as long as there is an internet. Uh, and the reason I want to spend too much time on that is because I'm really excited for what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but... I need, to, uh, I need to give a disclaimer about what we're going to talk about tonight. I need to have like a little 30 seconds where we all come together and we just kind of relieve the tension that's going to come up in the room um, because what we're going to talk about tonight is this, money. And the reason that we need a disclaimer when we talk about money is not necessarily because we're talking about money, but we're talking about money in church. And so many people, and maybe you're one of them, you walked away from church because you felt like all they ever wanted was your money. Or, or you, were, you maybe for the first time you brought your friend along for the first time tonight and you're thinking to yourself, why are they talking about money tonight when I brought my friend along? Because maybe your friend has had experiences or they know or, or you've heard them talk about, you know, it just seems like the church always wants money. And they're always asking people for money. So here's the disclaimer right up front. We don't want your money. And I am not going to ask you for your money tonight. And take a breath. But here's what we are going to talk. We are going to talk about this. And, and here's, here's what you're going to 
I think, be surprised about. Because what you're going to discover tonight is that God, and actually us here at Beyond, we actually want what you want with this. We don't, we, I don't want to tell you uh, what we want from you. I want to tell you what we want for you when it comes to your finances and your financial life. And chances are, it's the same thing that you want. Now, we can move forward now that we're all on the same page. Um, it's coming up Halloween in a couple of days. And, uh, and as I was kind of getting ready for this message, I came across something that for me, when I looked at it, I was like, this is really, really scary. Um, and I'm going to show you the picture that I came across. Um, if some of you are queasy, maybe just like have you put your hands over your eyes and get your friend to tap you. Um, it's not that bad, I promise, but I'll count us down so that you can kind of be ready. So this is what I discovered when I was um, getting ready for this message. Ready? Three, two, one. I found this graph. Here's where it's scary, because this is, this is all right here. Let me explain this a little bit to you. This is the year 2000. This is where we are right now, 2018. And this graph is tracking the household income and expenditure for Australians. The blue line is our spending, and the yellow line is our income. Now, if you come over this side of the board with me, you'll see that around September 2016, as a nation, our income, uh, sorry, our spending is above what we're earning. And if you're not good at maths like me, that is not a good thing. Because what this means is there is going to come a point and, and this, this is just a thing for, that we all need to kind of recognize as Australians. That as Australians, we are out of control when it comes to our finances. Because if the average household in Australia is spending more than they're earning, there is going to become a point where they are in huge amounts of debt. And so the reason that we're talking about this is because this is not just a church people thing. This is, an, this is a nation thing where as a country, we are really moving in a direction where we don't know how to spend our money well. And we are actually out of control with our spending. And so I want to kind of ask us a question to kind of address this because I want to address it for you on a personal level so you don't become part of this graph. You can become part of it where you actually have more than you um, spend. So I want to ask you this question. How much money would you need to have in order to feel in control of your finances? Surprisingly, the answer is the same for every single person in this room. More than you currently have. Every single person in this room, when you kind of say, how much, how much do you need to feel in control? The answer is, well, I need more than what I've got. I need, I need a little bit more. And, and here's the reason why. We, we kind of have been brought up with this idea in our minds that if I could just have a little bit more money, then I could get a little bit more control. If I could get a little bit more, if I could get that promotion, if I could just get a couple of hundred dollars more a week, if I could just get $50 more a week, if I could just get a little bit more, then I could just have a little bit more control over my life. But that assumes that there just becomes a point in life where all of a sudden you get to a magic number and bang. Because you hit that number, all your finances sort themselves out. Because you hit that number, now you know how to budget. Because you hit that number, now you know how to save. Because you hit that magical number, now it's all in control. And you know as well as I know that that's not how life works. In fact, the reason that you got out of control is because none of those things were working. So more money won't help you because more money does not equal more control. And if you don't believe me, just 
just play, play this game. Imagine your 10-year-old self. Imagine your 10-year-old self, well, maybe let's go back a little bit. Imagine you're like five or six-year-old self and the pocket money that mum and dad, your parents would give you. Now get your five or six-year-old self to tell your part-time job self and say, hey, guess what? There is going to be a point where you're earning $150 a week or you're earning $200 a week. And your, your six-year-old self would be like, wow, that's so much money. Think of all the, all, the all the candy we could buy. Think of all the lollies we could buy with that stuff. Think of everything. I'm never going to be out of control when I'm earning that much money. But then you got more money. And you can get more control. And then you maybe progressed into high school and, and then you stepped into uni and, and you kind of got that part-time job. And you were kind of making, you know, just a little bit more than, than maybe a minimum wage or something with your part-time job. Or maybe you kind of started an internship and you were kind of just making the base salary or you started as an apprentice so you were earning like half minimum wage um, for a period of time and you're going to go through uni, you're going through your apprenticeship, you're going through your internship and it gets to a point and you think, I'm going to graduate soon. I'm going to sign off all the papers. I'm going to be fully fledged. Then I will get a real job. Then I will work full time. Then I will have so much money and I will have more money and then I'll be more in control. And then you got that full time job. And now you're at a point in your life where you're like, I really need that promotion. I really, I, maybe I should go to that other company. Maybe I should step out and kind of move to that other company because then I'll get more money because we just follow this myth around that more money equals more control. But your experience and my experience tells us different. And so tonight we're going to look at, uh, at a word that's not that sexy. And it's, it's this word, manage. Right, because the way you actually get in control of your finances is not to have more. We've tried that. It's not working. The way you get in control is this word, manage. And the benefit that comes when you begin to manage your finances is you begin to experience this, peace. Could you imagine what it would be like to kind of go buy that cup of coffee and not have to pull out your phone to see if you've got enough money in the account? Could you imagine what it would be like to be debt free? And when your finances are out of control, you do not have peace when it comes to your money. But when you learn to manage your finances well, you get to experience peace. And this is what we want for you. But more importantly, this this is what Jesus wants for you as it comes to getting in control of your finances. And Jesus, Jesus was kind of this master teacher. He was just this incredible teacher. And he would often teach um, and, and kind of use stories and illustrations as a big way. He kind of paint this picture and he kind of take everyone into this kind of hypothetical world, uh, telling this story. Then he kind of snap his fingers, bring them all back and say, okay, now here's the practical application for your life. Here's where the rubber hits the road for you. I'm going to jump into a story that's actually recorded by this historian called Luke. And Luke went around and interviewed a whole heap of people that were witnesses to this very conversation. And Jesus, to just set you up with where we're going, Jesus was surrounded by a crowd. And he's teaching all these people uh, in this crowd and he tells this illustration, he tells this story, and, and it kind of is one of those stories where everyone in the crowd is sitting there and they're like, yeah, we know where he's going with this. 
We know, we know the application, right? We know where he, he's going to end up. But right as Jesus gets the application, he flips the script and no one saw it coming. And we're actually going to pick up this story tonight and this uh, conversation right after Jesus steps out of the, the kind of story he's been telling and begins to talk about the application. And this is what he says. He says, no one can serve two masters. And that's kind of hard for us to understand what, would it, what it would be like to serve two masters because, well, we're not slaves, right? You're no one's master. You're, totally, uh, you're no one's servant. You're totally in control of your life. You're your own master. Um, so we'll get back to that later, I promise. But Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. He uses these like extremes, hate, love, devoted, despised. And what he says next, what he says next is the bit where everyone who's taking notes stops and looks up because they did not expect him to say this. And he said this, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. And maybe if you've been in church a while, you're kind of like, yeah, no, I heard that growing up, right? Like, yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. The reason everyone stopped is because no one thought he was going here because the opposite of God is not money. The opposite of God is evil. The opposite of God is the devil. Jesus has been kind of pulling these extremes and then he goes, God or money? And what's interesting is this, 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 uh, this word, when Jesus was speaking, he would have been speaking in either Greek or Aramaic. And so Luke, the historian who recorded this conversation, was writing in Greek. Um, he uses this little Greek word that's translated into English as money but it's got a broader definition than just money. It includes money, but it really means stuff. It, it, look, it talks about your clothes. It talks about the, the car you have, the phone you have, the possessions you have, the things that you would look at and you would say, that's my stuff. And Jesus says, no one can serve both God and stuff. And it's interesting, right? Because everyone in the crowd would have been like, Come on, the devil, that's what you mean. No one can serve Jesus and the devil. But Jesus goes, no, 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 no I, I actually don't. And the reason he doesn't mean it, because he, he goes, when in your life have you been searching for purpose? When in your life have you, have you thought to yourself, you know what, I, I need something more, and thought to yourself, ah, the devil's probably the best place to go to find that. Like, you know what I should do? I should just find the most evil place, and that will give me direction, and that will give me purpose. Nobody's doing that. But Jesus says, so many people think if I could just get that job title, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that house, if I could just get that degree, if I could just get that qualification, if I could just get that stuff, then I would be happy. And what Jesus is pointing out is that the chief competitor for your heart is not the devil, it's the stuff. The chief competitor for your heart and for my heart, the thing that we're drawn away from, when we're drawn away from God, we're drawn towards stuff. And maybe you're sitting there and you're kind of thinking to yourself, yeah, well, okay, Chris, like, I get it, but I'm, stuff is not my master. Like, Jesus said no one can serve two masters. And stuff, is, like, I like stuff. I like to have nice stuff, but I don't, I don't really serve my stuff, like, you know, I don't really um, mastered by my stuff. 
And Jesus kind of anticipated this with this crowd. And so he kind of says, he's like, why don't you just go back and read what I said again slowly? Why don't you just pay attention to what I actually said? Because this is what Jesus said, ready? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love. And this is that word, because we look at that and go, Jesus, I don't love stuff. I don't love, I like it, I don't love it. Jesus goes, let me just define what I mean by love. Love one, uh, you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted. Now that's different. Because that means a strong desire, a pull, a connection, something that draws you in. You will be drawn to one and despise the other. And so many of us in our lives... We are definitely drawn towards stuff. We are drawn towards the latest gadgets. We are drawn towards the latest cars. We are drawn towards the latest fashion accessories. We are drawn towards, you know, getting the latest albums or downloading those latest songs off iTunes. We are drawn towards stuff. And to kind of prove it, because just to help you kind of get there, because I know some of you are like, really sure, I want to ask you two really, really annoying questions. Here's the first one. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something stupid? Have you ever walked into a shop and you had no intention of buying something? In fact, you're not even there for you. You're there for your friend. And you walk in that shop and you're like, got to have it. I need it in my life right this second. And then you get home and your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your mum and your dad is like, you've already got 12 of them. What do you need another one for? And you're like, bro, I gotta have it. And, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're like, oh, you, you, now you walk home and you see that thing that you bought and you see it all the time. You're like, oh man, that was so stupid of me. That was so silly of me to spend money on that. Can you believe I actually, can you believe that I spent money on that? What about this? Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something you regret? And so often, the answer to this question, usually, this word regret, usually means you end up in debt. And you look back and you think to yourself, well, you know, I was, I was kind of uh, just thinking maybe about going into uh, JB Hi-Fi and maybe buying a new game for my console. And then you walked out with a brand new console. Okay, like, I haven't done that. Um, no, I really haven't done that. Um, and, or maybe you were kind of like, I just, I just want a second-hand car. I'm going to go to the dealership, and I'm going to get a second-hand car. It's going to be inside my budget. It's going to be fantastic. And then you left, and you just bought a brand-new car. And it was, like, way outside your budget, but you didn't worry about that because you just signed up for, for credit, and you got the loan, and you look back now, and you're like, oh, I regret that purchase. I just regret that so much. Or you bought it at the time and it didn't uh, live up to the expectations and then you sold it for so much less than what you originally bought and you thought to yourself, oh man, I regret that. And what Jesus is saying to the crowd is the same thing he's saying to us tonight. That in those moments, and if you've ever had one of those moments, and if you're honest, you'll admit that we all have, where you've spent your money in a way and you said, that was so silly. Or you've spent it in a way and you said, I regret that. At that point that you made that purchase, you would say, I was not in control. 
I was not thinking clearly. In other words, something else was driving your decisions. Something else was the lens that you were filtering your decisions through and Jesus would say, that is stuff and it has got a hold on you. And if you were really its master and if it really didn't master you in that moment, you would have, uh, you would have done something different and you would not be doing something you regret, uh, have done something you regret and you wouldn't have felt silly or stupid about buying or investing in that thing. So, where does that leave us? Well, there is an application, but I'm going to let you know, as with pretty much all of this message tonight, I have not said anything like earth-shattering where you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, this is all pretty common sense, right? And what I'm going to say next for the plan is, is just even more common. You're going to be like, okay, right, I know that. But it's going to be one of those, like, I know that, as in, like, remember when your parents asked you to clean your room? And they were like, hey, can you go clean your room? You're like, yep, I'm on it. It's going to be one of them. Because then your parents came back half an hour later, and they're like, did you clean your room? Mom, I'm on it. And then they come back, like, three hours later, like, have you cleaned your room? Mom, if you ask me one more time, I swear I will not clean my room, okay? I'm done with you asking me. That I actually did do. Um, and so I want to show you what I'm going to ask you to do first to help you get in control of your money. And then I want to spend a couple of minutes moving it from your head to your heart. And then I'm going to give you a more precise application. Because I want you to be able to get in control of your finances. And so the application that we do at Beyond, we kind of package it in what we call a Four Monday. And the reason we do it is because we believe that if you're going to come and spend some time with us, that, that it should add value to you and it should add value to the lives of people around you. Because we believe that following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. And we want to help you on that journey. So this week's Four Monday, it's earth shattering. You ready? Make a plan to control your money. I told you, no one's going to be like, wow, deep. Okay? But here's, here's what I want to do. Because Here, here's what happens when you let your money get out of control. And there's three kind of things that, that come up when you allow your financial situation, you allow money and you allow stuff to control you. The first thing that happens is you begin to experience discontentment. You begin to, to not look at like everything that you have and think, wow, I'm so grateful. But you start looking around at everyone else's stuff and you think, well, I wish I had that and I wish I could get those. And, and discontentment shows up when you walk into a shop and you see something you didn't know existed. And it takes you 3.25 seconds to go from didn't know it existed to I've got to have that in my life right now. Like, I just need it. That's what discontentment is. And when discontentment festers, what it leads to is something you can never see in the mirror. And I can never see in the mirror. And chances are, if someone was to call it to you, it would say, no, 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 no way, I'm not that. What it leads to is this, this thing called greed. And Jesus, we don't have time to look at where he, he says it, so you just have to trust me, that Jesus defines greed as this. Jesus defines greed as the assumption that everything in your hand is for your consumption. When you get become discontent, you, become become, uh, you begin to get greedy and you say, I want all of my stuff. All of my stuff is my stuff and if I'm going to be generous, I'm going to give a little bit here and I'm going to give a little bit there and then you say, look at how generous I am because I'm giving some away. But the problem with when you assume that everything that comes into your hand is for you and to be consumed 
by you is that you spend everything in your hand. And when you spend and you live right up to the margins of everything in your life, pretty soon you become like Australia is becoming and you begin to experience debt. And the truth is is that you can raise your standard of living with debt. You can get a bigger house. You can put a loan on a car. You can get a piece of plastic and you can buy whatever you want. But you raise your quality of life through discipline. You experience peace through discipline. And so, whoops. When you look at these three, discontentment, debt, and greed, which one of those three makes you feel in control of your finances? Which one of those do you wake up and think, wow, I hope I really experience this today because it just makes me feel great? Nobody. Nobody wants to feel that. No one wants to, to do that. But that's what the effects are of a financial life that is out of control. And Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago into this exact same thing. And, and Jesus said that if you want to get in control, there is a way. But the way is, he says, you cannot serve both, your, both God and stuff. So if you want to experience get rid of discontentment, get rid of greed, and get rid of debt, then maybe it's time to submit your financial life to God and begin to get in control by doing things the way that God intended. And if you were to take everything that Jesus taught about money and everything that the Jewish scriptures that Jesus would have read and taught from about money, you can condense it into two words. Two words, and these two words are this. Generosity and wisdom. Generosity and wisdom. And the thing is, you know people who are in control of their money. And you know people who earn more than you and they're in control of their money. And you know people who earn less than you who are in control of their money. And when you look at their lives, you would say, you know what? They're generous and they're wise. They're generous and they're wise. They give money away because they have a plan and they are so wise. That's why they have, so, that's why they have money. That's why they're in control of their money. And we actually have a, a little three-point kind of game plan. And if you're brand new with this, you, you wouldn't have heard of it, um, heard of it. But we kind of have this little three-point plan that we talk about a lot to kind of help people get in control of their finances. And it's based around these two things, generosity and wisdom. So here's the specific application of get, make a plan to get in control. You ready? It's three points. Give, save, live. Every time that you get that your paycheck, when it comes into your bank account, I want you to look at it and say, you are not going to control me, but I'm going to control you. And I'm going to control you in these three ways, by first giving, by second saving, and by third living. And the best way to do this is not to pick a dollar value, but it's to pick a percentage. Pick a percentage for each of these three and say, you know what? I'm going to give five, six, seven, ten percent. Because what that does is it teaches you to live with margin in your life. And then you say, you know what, I'm going to pick a percentage, maybe 20% or 30%, and I'm going to save it. I'm going to put that away maybe for a holiday, I'm going to put that away for a house deposit, I'm going to put that away for my future. And then the third percentage, whatever is left over, you say, you know what, I'm going to live on that. And here's the great thing when you put this plan into action is, giving actually brings you joy. Because you begin to get in that mindset, you know what, not everything that comes into my hand is for me. And it is actually greater to give stuff away 
than it is to constantly be trying to consume everything that comes into my hand. Whoops. And this is actually such a big thing for us as a community that every year, in fact, it's coming up in two weeks' time, we actually do a full-on series around this called Be Rich, where we pretend what it would be like if we were rich, and we actually give money away to our local organizations. I think last year we gave $1,600 or $1,700 away to, to local organizations. Why? Because giving brings joy. And when you save, here's the thing, saving will bring you peace. Because when you put money away and when you begin to plan for your future, every time you look at your paycheck, you go, you know what, I've got some peace about this because I'm planning for what's to come. If something happens with your car, if something happens and you become sick and you've got some savings tucked away, you go, you know what, it's okay because I planned for this. And here's the great thing, when you live off the rest, it will bring you freedom because you have already pre-decided what percentage of your income you are going to live off. And now you don't let it control you, you control it, and you say, I'm going to live on this percentage and no more. And so giving brings you joy, saving brings you peace, and living brings you freedom. And this is what we want for you. But more than that, this is what Jesus wants for you and wants you to experience when it comes to your finances. And you can begin to step into that joy, into that peace, and into that freedom this week by making a plan to give, to save, to live, and to get in control of your finances. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just over 2,000 years ago, you spoke those words to a crowd, and they're just as difficult for us to kind of wrap our heads around and wrestle with. They're so relatable today. And it is so true that the chief competitor for our heart is often our stuff. And Lord, I know that there are some people here tonight and, and maybe their financial finances are out of control. Maybe their spending is out of control and they're at a point in their life where they're just saying, you know what, I've, either maybe they're ignoring it just so they don't have to look at it or they're saying, you know what, I've got to do something. Well, Lord, what I pray is that they would, they would stop doing it their way. They would stop this mentality of I just need a little bit more, but they would begin to to trust their finances to you. They would begin to give, save, and live and experience, experience the joy and the peace and the freedom that comes with serving a God who gave his life to know them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.